We are going to go over the first part. We'll probably end... Uh, yeah, verse 8, I think, is what we'll go up to. So let me, let me read that. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. All right, let's uh, look at this. Babylon, the great prostitute, is represented by this woman. So, Revelation 17 covers the judgment of this particular great prostitute, and it's probably talking about the religious system of Babylon here, whereas Revelation 18 covers the judgment of the commercial system of Babylon. And, you know, it's so easy to see today, isn't it? Both aspects of it. The religious aspect of the world system, the commercial aspect of the world system. It, it, it's there. So each chapter covers an aspect of it. That's my understanding. So Babylon in Scripture has always been a city and a name that is characterized of that city. So we know of Babylon. It all started with Babylon. Nimrod, the Tower of Babel, which later became Babylon. And there has always been that system, that mentality, and the characteristics of Babylon, which is really carried all the way through history to today, in some way or another. And, you know, it's kind of like... so when, you may disagree, but when I think of Babylon, yes, it's a city, it was a city, but it's a system as well. It's, it's really an industry. Kind of like Hollywood. Hollywood is a city, but it's really funny when you talk about Hollywood being in Georgia, which I wish never had happened, but there's a number of studios. They were building, there's at least three. I think they're building another one. Why are they doing that? Because it saves them a ton of money. Yeah. Out in California, it cost them a ton of money. So when we refer to Hollywood, we can refer to it either as the city named Hollywood or the industry itself. And that's kind of the way I view the whole thing of Babylon. 
Because today, Babylon the city doesn't exist. It might. It might be something the Antichrist headquarters himself in someplace. But um, we know that the ruins of Babylon exist because Saddam Hussein tried to excavate those ruins. So we know where they are. But the city is not livable. It, there's no life in that city except archaeological digs. But the system of Babylon exists. I mean, it, it is like going full bore now with the transgender issue. I was, I was reading J.D. Rucker, his column. Very interesting. And he says, we really need to call it what it is. It's transvestitism. I mean, these people are transvestites. And we know what transvestites are, people who pretend that they are the opposite gender. But we kind of soften it, or they teach us to soften it by just calling them transgender. I'm just changing my gender. Well, we know that that's not science. You can't do that. You can change your outward appearance, which is what transvestitism is. But anyway, so that's what Babylon is. And we just read the text. The seven bowls, I think it's fascinating that one of the seven angels who had one of the seven bowls comes to John. Can you imagine being in that throne room and that scene? You're sitting there watching all this stuff, and then an angel comes over to you. It just, it's just wholly, uh, wholly interesting to me. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. The whole thing is just really fascinating. And it, and it really is hard for us to know exactly what John saw. Um, was he given representations of these things? We know that at one point he sees the woman, and then this woman rides this beast. Well, he must have seen that. But we know in our vernacular and our reality, there is no real woman, but it's representative of Babylon because Babylon is a prostitute by which the kings of the earth, the political leaders, commit adultery so that they can get what they want. So, anyway, this is the text. We read that. Now, the angel here is coming up to John, and interesting that in verse 15 it talks about the fact that it was seated on the many waters. Uh, let me look at that again. Oh, well, we're not going to get there, sorry, tonight. But what we're talking about here is, um, it's also in verse, I guess, 1. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Many, many conservative commentators simply believe that, that the many waters represents, and it actually tells us in verse 15, so we don't have to guess. You want to turn over there real quick. The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So we don't have to guess. We don't have to come up. It's always so funny. I've read some commentaries on Revelation where some of these commentators will utter a guess at what something means. And you look at it and you go, well, but just two verses later it tells you what that meant and you're not correct. How did you get there? But they don't, they don't do that. So anyway, here it is. The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Which means that all of humanity, to some extent, is involved in this Babylonian religious system whereby they're committing spiritual adultery by chasing after her. And, and what kind of religions do we have today? Aside from Christianity, we have all forms of paganism still exist. Mm -hmm. We have the New Age movement, which is big time, which 
tries to incorporate anything and everything except, of course, true Christianity. You have Mormonism, you have Islam, you have all, everything. Buddhism. Buddhism. Hinduism. Yeah, everything. Shintoism, the whole bit. And yet, it tries to incorporate everything without being specific to one particular thing. Well, they got that whole coexist oh, yeah. uh, effort now where they want to amalgamate all of the religions of the world. And they even include the cross. Yeah. Isn't that nice of them? Yeah. I'm not going to be part of that, though. Neither are you, I'm sure. So the absence of a specific geographical site, I mean, the angel really doesn't mention anything specific geographically. So that's one indication that the angel is probably referring to the spiritual aspect of Babylon here. And really, what is it? What did Nimrod want to do with people? What was he trying to teach them to do way back in Genesis? Way back. What, what was he trying to accomplish with them? Wasn't he trying to get them to think, you know, you're really a god in and of yourself. Mm -hmm. And we're going to prove it because we're going to build this tower to the heavens where we will be able to go up and our gods will be able to come down. So that's what Nimrod was trying to do. And if you think about it, we haven't really moved that far off base from that because there's so many people in the New Age movement who have adopted that attitude, that viewpoint that says, I'm, I'm God. Mm -hmm. You are God. I well, remember... Supposedly, what a lot of this transhumanism stuff uh, is. Exactly. So, we're going to... Live forever. Live forever. We're going to take my whatever and put it in a computer. Yeah. And there it'll be. Isn't that exciting? Whatever. <laughs> Who wants that? I mean, God cut off uh, the tree of life let's see. for Elon a reason. Musk, Bill Gates, uh, you know, all these... Klaus. Klaus. I am Klaus. Von's Klaus. Boy, doesn't he look like a Nazi. <laughs> oh, he is. Oh. He sure does. You expect him to go. Yeah, exactly. To himself. How many yeah. human parts have they had replaced by? Well, yeah. donors. Donors. Uh, involuntary donors. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you I know. Mean, you know, they look like they're zombies. Well, but they also, you never hear of any of them getting cancer. Uh -huh. You never hear of any of them getting sick because they have the best everything. You know, I'm sure they came up with a cure for cancer a long time ago. They have. But they just don't want to share it with us. It's too much money to be made. Exactly. Oh, well, look at George Soros. <laughs> I'd rather if not. That, if that's not a zombie, I mean, he is warmed over. He, he is, uh got body parts didn't belong to him. Well, Dick Cheney, yeah. too. Remember when he needed a heart transplant? Oh, yeah. How quickly he got one? Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure there. I'm sure he went right to the straight to the head of the line there. Oh, yeah. Went to the Chinese. I can't believe they're collecting body parts. Yeah. And they maybe like find a brain they can then install in the Biden. What's that? <laughs> I said maybe they'll find a brain they can <laughs> install in the Biden. Oh, that guy. <laughs> I kind of feel sorry for him because he really he's, does belong he's, at home. He's, 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 he's being used. Absolutely. All right, Babylon leads the world to chase after false religion. Any religious system apart from the true, true one religion, if you want to call it that, Christianity, comes from Babylon. And it all started with actual Babylon, as I mentioned. It's going to continue until God destroys it during the tribulation. 
Verse 2, kings committing sexual immorality. These leaders of the world, of course they're going to be called kings because that's what John was familiar with. Although it's very interesting, we still have kings in our world today. King Charles III, is that what is that what he decided he's going to be called from Britain? King Charles III? I don't, I, I, even, I don't even try to read that stuff. So no, I don't know. But here, he's, he's... And now the... Uh, what do they call it? Carnation is, is um, on hold. It, it's being held back because they they can't figure out they want it to be as inclusive as possible with all these different religions <laughs> but, and of course what that means is they're going to wind up denigrating Christianity or the Church of England which right. but it's interesting to hear vicars in Great Britain speaking out against what King Charles III wants to do so it, it's kind of interesting stuff but I'm sure they're going to couch it um, it's like when you talk to someone in the federal government who really can't say anything, can't give you any information, but they use a lot of verbiage. Mm -hmm. So that it sounds like they've said something, but then they said nothing specific. So I'm sure that's what the wine Vice President. No, sure. What's that? Vice President. president. <laughs> no, she's just stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> These leaders, I mean, it's so funny. I don't know who writes her speeches, but these leaders led the world in spiritual adultery, the worship of false god, and that's what that's what's happening today. Um, and we know that the world became drunk, influenced, or controlled. Obviously, when the text says they became drunk, it didn't they didn't literally become drunk from alcohol. Although, although that's certainly part of it, many do. But I think what the what John was saying was they became influenced or controlled by the seditious nature of these false religions, and that's. That's so prevalent today. It is just so prevalent today. We're seeing more and more churches trying to incorporate everybody so that they don't offend anybody. But because of that, they don't want to spread the truth. I was reading about one of my favorite mega church pastors who I guess has 10 satellite campuses and preaches to 200,000 people on Sunday and you sit there and you go, those people keep coming back because they're not having to face the truth. That's why they keep coming back. So that person who is in that pulpit with 10 satellite campuses and 200,000 people on Sunday is one of the individuals who's leading his flocks into spiritual adultery. The worship of false gods. And that is born of the Babylonian system. And I will say this, unfortunately, this particular pastor is nothing like his father. Mm -hmm. You know? Nothing. Mm -hmm. He kind of reminds me, I think I mentioned it to somebody, he reminds me of a son of Eli as opposed to a son of his real father. We see that today. They believe lies because they rejected the truth. And I honestly think it's going to become, for people like us, who are straight, conservative, and Christian, I think we're going to be more ostracized as time goes on. Just simply because we are different, and it's going to start feeling weird to be straight, conservative, Christian, because of all of what the world is you know, yelling at. And I think it's interesting because, and I don't want to get into a debate about 
the jab and COVID and all that stuff, but it really amazed me how many people, well-known people, during that whole situation after the vaccine was released, they literally wished that those who did not want the vax would die. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be given health care. Mm -hmm. Let them die at home. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, yeah, but I think we're going to see that ramping up here too in a different way because of all the sexual promiscuity and everything else that's just, it's like hell has opened its doors, really. And we know that that's going to happen during the tribulation. So this woman is sitting on a scarlet beast that had blasphemous names. This beast that she's sitting on is obviously the Antichrist, the same beast that came out of the water. The, the one difference is this one now is scarlet. So that's an interesting thing. She's sitting on the beast. In essence, this is interesting too. She's in a position of control over the beast by sitting on it. We know that. You ride a horse, you control it. You um, grab a cow uh, by the reins or the rope or whatever, you're controlling it. She's sitting in this position of control. But it is mutually beneficial, at least at this point. We know later on that the Antichrist and the false prophet turn against this system. And why does that happen? Do you remember? We're not there yet. But why does that happen? God designs it. Yes, absolutely. God designed it. But why does the Antichrist, for him personally, what do, you, what do you think the Antichrist and the false prophet are thinking? They they turn on, I guess I'm getting way ahead of myself, but just this whole idea, they don't need her anymore mm -hmm. because now who's God? The Antichrist. And he's going to demand to be worshipped. So... Yeah. This is this is cool for a while. Mm -hmm. It gets people thinking, but eventually we're going to get rid of her. And it's mutually beneficial because the anti the antichrist simply supports her, just like a horse supports us when we ride it. You know, on a side a side note, isn't it wonderful that horses let us get on their back and ride around on that? <laughs> I love riding horses. It's just been a long time since I've done that, but man, it's so kind of them to do that, I guess. The woman's clothing was purple, symbolizing royalty. And we know that because in the, old, in the New Testament, in the old days, a king would often dress in purple, something that people in general often didn't wear. So, though she's adorned with jewels to make herself look like a queen, um, she's literally filthy inside. And it shows. John sees it. So she's got, in verse 4, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So she looks good on the outside. She presents a picture of royalty. I think it's interesting, by the way, that she's wearing purple and scarlet. Um, and the beast is scarlet possibly all the blood that's being shed during the tribulation because of the persecution and ultimate martyrdom of so many, many of our brothers and sisters who will be alive at that point. Whether we are, I have no clue. But um, the cup she carried added to her royal look. But it was just spiritual adultery. And uh, she appears outwardly attractive, but inwardly she is thoroughly unclean. And then verse 5. Now this is interesting. This is written on her forehead. Mystery. 
Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So it all started with her. She's the head honcho. Every false religion that exists in this world in some way, shape, or form came from her. That's what happened. So she is the beginning of all that. That's what Satan tried to create. And she is the epitome of it. So it's on her forehead. Now, in John's days, prostitutes often... I'm not sure why they did this. I guess I should research it. I guess they wore their names on headbands. It's advertising. I guess Makes so. it easy. I guess so, yeah. It's like a name tag, but... Yeah. Oh, it's Alicia, yes. That's the one you were telling me about. That kind of stuff, yeah. So, anyway... Um, which is kind of strange, though, because, I mean, everybody would talk about it anyway, and everybody yeah. knew, but you're walking around in society with the... may have been Roman law, too. It could have been, but, I mean, so there you are. There's a prostitute. Mm -hmm. There's another one. But well, it was so well accepted in that right. society. It was just part of their temple worship, their culture, the whole bit. Even the guy... Sorry, I'm no, no, no. digress. Even the guy who um, was in Jesus' lineage... And he had the, the sons that um, kept dying, and the, the woman kept mirroring the sons until he, that he was down to his last son, and she had to entrap him that he thought she was a prostitute. He thought he was she was a temple right. prostitute. You're talking about the Old Testament. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. Can't remember the so even name. even then, it yeah. was yeah acceptable. It was very acceptable in ancient cultures. I think that whole that situation itself was very interesting because it proves, is, and the guy is actually willing to admit this. That's she's it. more, she was more honorable. Than well, was, yeah. Rahab is in who was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. Is in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, this guy was so, too. It's fascinating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It really is. And obviously, I don't want to denigrate prostitutes, but imagine walking around and having your name just here. So. This system still applies to Babylon. She represents everything that is abominable, everything that is corrupt, everything that is filthy, everything that is spiritually adulterous. So her character is completely evil. Completely. There is nothing, no redeeming value at all in this particular prostitute, in the system. And I think that's what makes it difficult for Christians today because we know we can't completely pull ourselves out of the system. We have to rely on it to a certain extent because who among us can grow all of our own food, um, you know, process the fuel we need for our vehicles? We can't do it. So we have to have some interaction with the world system. But... The big thing is, we need to be aware of, first of all, that it is a system that we should not be enamored with. Mm -hmm. And we should not want to get, quote-unquote, in bed with it to the point that we are just swept up by it. So I, I, think, I think that that's another point that Christians really need to consider. How much do I need to be involved in this system? And I think, honestly, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I think the way things are going in society, I think... It's forcing us to make that choice, which is a good thing. It really is, because it's forcing us to have to decide when they... I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but when they come up with their CBDCs, what really happens to cash? Well, it's already been... Uh, 
theoretically and put in place as of the 14th. Oh yeah, it's here. It's going to take time to roll it out. Mm -hmm. I just uh, saw this short video that Whole Foods now, you can't get in the store unless you have a QR code on your phone. Mm -hmm. They're rolling that out and then once you're in the store, you go through all these special gates to let you in. And once you're in the store, they completely track wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're buying. And then when you go out, I assume, you use a QR code to pay. Hmm. So, I guess I don't need to go to Whole Foods. Well, the system's already in place. Oh, I it mean, is. You know. It uh, is, absolutely. Angles has their little angle card. Yeah. And you get discounts. They, you know, they sell it. Yeah, yeah. Piggly Wiggly's got pig deals, you know. And... Uh, yeah, it's a little. Well, it's so funny when I go, when I go to Kroger, I'm I'm a member, I'm a Boost member, so I get more gas points and stuff. Yeah. But then I have the card, and then you can you can scan the pay on your phone, and I'm and I do that, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should just start writing checks to them. I don't know. It's just they just make everything so easy and, and see that's how they're going to do it but it's going to mm -hmm. be it's going to be more difficult to use cash you know, well, there will be a black it. market and yeah. maybe cash yeah. will still be around will be the currency of the black market yeah i agree uh the paper money or whatever but uh or it could be gold i've been buying a little bit of gold back yeah you know? it's, uh, it's so funny whenever we have something done I, you know, have somebody come out and do something or work on the car or whatever I say. I always ask them to take cash check. Yep. It's like, okay, good. I can do business with you. But, you know, I mean, it, they are going to do whatever they can to eventually cut off. That's where the system is leading because they need everybody involved in it. They need everybody actively involved. It's right? control. It's to like, control. It's control. They it got is. to have control. Absolutely. The, 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 the Antichrist system is a surveillance system. Huh? It, it doesn't work unless it is. Exactly. Absolutely. That's what these cameras are all about. You need to be... I, I've got a plan, man. What's your plan? You want mm -hmm. to share it? Mm -hmm. oh, Turn okay. that off. Well, sure. afterwards. But when, uh, Whenever they replaced the lira in Italy with uh, euros, they uh, gave you X number of months to bring your money in and yeah. trade it for euros. Yeah. And then after that, if you still had Lira at home, it was just too bad. It yep. wasn't worth so, anything. I, I foresee that that is how it will transpire here. Well, I mean, they're going to say, okay, this is going to affect drug trafficking and so forth and so on. You know, uh, people will have to reveal how much cash they have. Can you think of these Mexican drug cartels with, with uh, the, that literally they have tons of cash? Oh, I know. I've and seen. What, I've seen what are they going to do? How are they going to convert all that cash into, uh, you know, digital currency? I don't know. But I was just thinking about this today too. It's like, think of the homeless. What do you give? What do they come up to you and say? Hey, you get digital money? You get it. Give them a card. They already do that. Little EBT card. Well, I just yeah. try and give. Yeah, I try and give them food, whatever. But yeah, still, and like, then then what they do is they trade it for crack or whatever. <laughs> well, anyway, we'll see how it works out, but we, we all have a good idea of where it's going. And ultimately, it is to squeeze us into their system, force us into it, so that we will be controlled. And, like, we're getting, we're finally getting fiber. And, you know, for me, it's, it's a 
double-edged sword because on one hand, yeah, it'd be nice that my wife could have a really good connection so when she's having all these Zooming meetings, things don't freeze up and stuff like that. Um, but the other downside of that is wherever they have that, they can have surveillance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's six one half dozen the other. It's right outside your door. Right outside the door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, she represents, Babylon represents the fountainhead of every false religion. Paganism, the actual false religions. Ecumenism is another one. Perversions of Christianity and non-Christian religions. So all the perversions of Christianity, that's a pretty big thing all by itself. But then you tie that all in with everything else. And it's, it's huge. The whole thing is huge. So verse 6. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled. That word marveled is interesting. Because you kind of picture John going, wow. But he's not really going, wow. He's actually going, Huh, what's up? So, it represents the system that destroyed Christians and rejoiced in their deaths, but especially during the tribulation. So, what's fascinating here is that there is this system that purports to be godly and yet rejoices in the death of truly godly people. But, but is that any different than the religious leaders during Christ's day. They represented a religion. Mm -hmm. They represented Judaism. They represented, you know, Jehovah, Yahweh, God. And here they were, delighting in the brutal torture and ultimate death of a man they knew to be innocent. Because he was in their way. And he was a threat to their existence. Their power and control. Yeah. Their power and control. Oh, yeah. So they were the globalists of that day. So John marvels here, possibly because there was a religious system claiming to honor God, but killing his saints. That would be worth a question. Why? I don't get it, you know? Here's this system that supposedly is godly, and they're killing the truly godly people. And another reason he may have marveled was because he probably wondered why God allowed that system to exist and thrive. John, unlike us, John wasn't fully aware of all of God's purposes. It was being revealed to him um, as, as things played out and how they would play out. But we have the benefit of looking back on this and going, oh, see, I can see. I can see where it's all going. I can see what God is doing. So... So in John's day, the Roman Empire was the greatest manifestation of Babylon to that point. And it was marriage between a religious system and a political system. That's what Rome was. And, um, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. That was how big the Roman Empire was. And it was very powerful, as we know. I don't think... It started its decline, but it took hundreds of years for it to yeah. fully decline. And then it, before it even completely declined, it broke into the East and the West and yeah. all that stuff. So, I mean, and it's fascinating. We'll get into this more next week, but it's fascinating the way the Roman Empire developed, too. Verse 7, 
because John marveled, the angel promises, look, he goes, I will, I will tell you. Why did you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. And then he goes on um, to explain it to him. And I, I get I think I get it from John's point of view. Again, I don't know exactly what he was looking at. He was looking at images or maybe a movie, but it was difficult for John to understand the woman and the beast and the relationship between the two. He just he saw the woman sits on the beast, the beast supports her, there's a mutually beneficial relationship at this point, but he didn't really understand the intricacies of it. And I'm not sure we do too. We probably understand a little bit better because we're two thousand years in the future and we're we're seeing it. But, but John was just kind of watching however God showed it to him. So he was seeing visions that represented these things. And, and it's probably natural that he had a little bit of confusion, which is why the angel says, I'm going to explain it to you. I'll make it clear. So verses 7 through 14, not all of which we're going to get to, explain more about the beast. And verses 15 through 18 explain more about the woman. And we'll get to that, some of that next week. Verse 8, the beast who was, is not, and would rise from the pit. Now, be, I don't want to be dogmatic about this. I tend to agree that this is the Roman Empire in its various forms. We'll get into this a little bit more. But, you know, it's funny. In preparation for this week, I mean, I looked through a bunch of my commentaries. And it is interesting how many different interpretations, how many different views are out there, how many different understandings people have. And these are, you know, very well studied biblical scholars. And, you know, there's this view, there's that one, there's that one over here, and there's another one, and there's five more behind that. So um, I tend to look at this, and you may disagree, you may um, see something else that I'm not seeing, and that's okay. Um, I think that the beast who was is not and would rise from the pit is likely the Roman Empire. Now, we can go all the way back to Daniel 2, and we can see those four empires there, right? But I think that, that the angel is specifically and only, I could be wrong, referring to just Rome here, because the Roman Empire was, and it was during John's days, and then it would get to a point where it is not, way later, and then it would rise from the pit. And I think... Those three things catalog and describe the fourth beast of Daniel chapter 2. But, I mean, we could discuss it and, you know, probably there are a number of interpretations. What which, would be its modern form? The European Union? or No, the modern form, well, I think the modern form is what Antichrist is going to create. Right. So, you know, Macron is interesting. Uh, who was the guy before Macron in France? I forget his name. Uh, Nar Nar anyway, he had he drew up a new European Union that was almost exactly along the lines of the old Roman Empire. Right. Hmm. So it's it's just kind of interesting. So I think I do think that it speaks of a revived dead nation. Rome died officially. Mm -hmm. But I think it'll be resurrected again. And I think that's what's happening now because we're, we're coming to a one-world global empire. But I think it's all also going to be mainly stationed over in Europe. 
And I think right now, the United States is in the way. So at all costs, we've got to kill the United States or at least make it powerless. And then we can do what we need to do. Well, they're working on that in two or three different ways. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. We lose reserve currency status. You can stick a fork in us. Well, I think that's going to happen, don't you? Yeah, I do too. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yes, all but it's already yeah. in the works. I mean, Russia, China, everybody's slapping each other on the back. Yeah. Macron's involved in it. And you got. And Biden seems it, totally clueless. He is totally clueless. I mean, he he's either bought and paid for, or he is the true Manchurian candidate. I mean, they found this guy and said, you know, he's not all there. Let's put him in office. Well, yeah. That's exactly what they did. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? A couple months ago, do you remember Barack Obama giving a speech and he goes, We love Joe, but we don't give him a lot to do. And I thought to myself, We, huh? Mm -hmm. Who are you talking about there, Barack? We. So is this Barack Obama's third term? Uh, I know that sounds like a conspiracy theory, but. Well, you know. supposedly, I mean, there is this famous clip where he. He, well, it's, it's, it's like he's talking, but he's winking at the same time yeah. about, you know, find some ineffectual whatever, and you just make all your moves through him. Oh, well, I'm sure. And I can, you know. Let's face it, the globalists have been able to get their stuff done. It doesn't matter who's been in the White House. What were you going to say, Dom? I, I don't believe Obama's in charge. I think he's just... He's he's oh, he's not in charge. Right. He's the one who's, yeah, he gets his orders. And, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. no, I agree. Well, I think it's this World Economic Forum. Oh, Klaus? Yeah. I want to know who's behind, because there are some extremely, extremely, I was reading articles, you may have read some of these too, there's about 10 families in the world that are mm -hmm. like super, super, super wealthy, and we don't even know well, their names. Well, you know who one of them is? Well, we don't even know their names. Yeah, you know one of them. Who? King Charles III. Oh, yeah. There's one of them. But see, they're the face. Who are the people way in the shadows? There's some There's well, some people he's, that... He's the public face. Well, let, let me tell you, the uh, one guy on YouTube thinks Charles III very well could be the Antichrist. That, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's made, and I know a guy who thinks... Mom's dead now. It's his time to rise and come to the forefront and... Could be. Well, who knows? I mean, and he's he but attends this World Economic Forum. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to know. We're going to know. We're going to know, so we'll, we'll yeah. find out later. But, you know, yeah, and what's interesting, since the 70s, they've been predicting, oh, this right. guy, I remember right. books being written on Kissinger, so I don't I don't oh, waste yeah. too much time with that, but it's, it's interesting to think about. So the it Roman is. Empire, it no longer existed as Imperial Rome, and it's really, next week we'll talk about the various stages that Rome went through, because obviously it... It came into existence from nothing, and then there were stages of development along the way. I think six stages of development um, by the time it got to absolute imperialism. Not absolute, but an imperial form of Rome. The Antichrist system is going to be absolute imperialism, um, which is another reason that mm -hmm. people think it's going to be based on the Roman Empire. But when Antichrist resurrects this system... Mm -hmm. And, oh, and I should say this, there is disagreement over this. Some people think that this fatal wound that he's healed from it, the beast, they think that it's the Antichrist himself that somehow becomes assassinated and then rises from the dead. There, are, there is that avenue to consider, 
I used to think that, but I'm not sure that that's the deal. I really think that he's going to resurrect this nation, this dead nation. It'll be the Roman Empire of today. Instead of what it was before, it will be more brutal. And I think people will be so fascinated, they'll just, they'll just marvel at it. So we'll, we'll kind of end it with this, I think. These are the stages that it went through when Rome first started being developed. And you can verify this for yourself through the historical accounts. First, they were just kings you know, of little territories. And then it grew and started growing. And then there were councils, uh, or consuls, excuse me. The two highest magistracies in the Roman Republic. And these, these guys had a lot of power. So that was a development, an offshoot of how they started conglomerating and, and gaining more power. And then, of course, from here we went to straight-out dictators. That the emperors? Kind of. And then they went to decemvirs. decemvirs. And these were interesting because after the dictators, I guess they thought, well, we can't give one person that much power. So what they did was they did commissions of ten men were established by Rome. And they shared the power, and then after that it went to military tribunes, and then eventually it went to imperialism, and that's when you had people like Caesar, who had tremendous amount of power. Mm -hmm. And they were basically Caesar for life, unless of course they were assassinated. So these are the six stages that Rome went through. And then next week we're going to pick it up and kind of continue this line of thought, but we're also going to get into what the possible meanings of starting with nine, and I like the way it starts out. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. I personally believe he's talking about Rome right here. Um, oh, sorry. And then... Um, what is interesting here, though, is some commentators also go, well, Rome was, on, was built on seven hills, seven mountains. So that's what that's referring to. I'm not sure that that's what that actually means. It could be, but it could also be something else, which we'll go over next time. And then verse, let's see, verse 10, where it says, Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. So, and when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. So there's a little bit more detail that the angel provides here about Antichrist, the son of perdition. And of course we know that Paul refers to him as the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians 2. And it's kind of like you were saying. It's just amazing how much information, biblical knowledge, Paul was actually indirectly given. I mean, he revealed a number of mysteries that were not, they, were, they weren't even talked about, they weren't even mm -hmm. considered. And here's Paul able to give, this is a mystery, but I tell you what it means. That came directly from God, obviously. So anyway, we're going to stop right here. And um, I'll just throw this one up at you. So, it appears this beast rises from the abyss, the home of Satan and his demons. It rises at the request and the work, the effort of Antichrist. And there is a point in the tribulation where you recall that Satan supernaturally empowers this Antichrist. And it could be at this point 
when he actually raises this old dead nation. And it's at that point that he gives him his supernatural powers. And um, what I find interesting is every nation on earth that has come to its own demise usually did so at the hands of another nation. This final one will be destroyed by Jesus himself in Revelation 19.20 when he returns. That's going to be unbelievable. Wouldn't it be something? I mean, here's the world doing its thing, and then Jesus interrupts, deals with it, takes care of it, ends it, and then begins working on setting up his kingdom that he will reign for a thousand years. That's fascinating to me. So, because of what I think about Rome, I see them, the Rome um, being resuscitated and people who live on the earth were just going to be like, wow, this is fascinating. Rome is alive again. Maybe not. We'll see. They will deem him to be savior, but actually he'll be a slaughterer. He will deceive everyone except the elect. I think that verse says um, that they, the elect, if it were possible, would be deceived, implying that it's not possible to deceive the elect. So next time we're going to go through those verses. We're going to discuss the seven heads, the seven kings, the beast is an eighth but belongs to the seven, the ten horns, the ten kings, and more about the prostitute. So I get that the, the seven kings are consecutive. And I get that the ten kings are simultaneous. Do you get that? That's the way I view it. We could both be wrong. Though. Right. I just cur- I, I wanted to know your opinion. Yeah, that's the way I get it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The more I study Revelation, sometimes I sit there and I go... Do I really know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? Because there's just so much there. And but yeah, that's the way I understand it, Amanda. That, that this, say what you just said again. That the seven kings uh, are consecutive, but that right. the ten kings are simultaneous. Right. And then we have to remember too, with these ten kings, Antichrist gets rid of three of them, and then the, you know, and then there's seven left, which is why he's then the eighth. But originally, he's one of the 11, as talks about in Daniel, I think, either 7 or 10. So, I mean, it really gets kind of convoluted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're talking about espionage, and subterfuge. So, any comments, questions?